This is Unfilter, episode 277 for April 18th, 2018, a patron-only special edition. to Unfilter, episode 277 of Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly show that hopefully is watching all of that news so you don't have to. My name is Chris, and this is a special patron-only edition of your Unfilter program. We weren't going to do a show this week. I was going to tear down the studio. Chase is in California. We had no intention of going on the air. In fact, if you're not a patron and you're hearing this show, you can thank our patrons for that. That means they gave me the go-ahead to release this publicly. But this might just be you and me, patrons, for a special 277 edition of the show uh, that wasn't going to be here because I had work to do, Chase is traveling, but then we started dropping bombs on Syria. And so I wanted to do a special edition that's focused just on what's going on to keep you guys up to date because that's why you support us and that's why we're here. And so let's, let's talk about Syria. But to do that, let's go back. Let's go back a few weeks to that poisoning of the Russian double agent and his daughter, where there has actually been some positive developments for his daughter, but there's not a lot of coverage. (laughs) Uh, I've had to go to a lot of the source materials. I'm not complaining. So I am going to give you a summation of kind of what I've found, uh, including uh, different interviews and uh, press discussions, as well as um, diplomats and the doctors themselves. Hello, my name is Dr. Christine Blanchard and I'm the medical director here at Salisbury District Hospital. I'm joined by Lorna Wilkinson, our director of nursing. I want to give you an update on the progress of the two remaining patients that we're treating here at the hospital. Yeah, there's still two. Uh, there's the uh, the original double agent himself. Uh, uh, I forget how you say Scrapple is. I think it's Scrapple. Um, and then his daughter. That's number two. And then the uh, police officer, the law agent, the lawman that uh, was exposed. And uh, the daughter has been released from the hospital. She's out. And the Russian embassy immediately, as is their right per international law in these types of investigations, immediately put out a request to meet with her. But so far, for weeks now, she's refused to meet with the Russians. This became an issue during a Q&A session where officials were meeting. And the Russian ambassador began to question what the hell's going on. Ladies and gentlemen, 
I hope there is some room for me. <laughs> <laughs> and he tries to be nice about it, but he clearly says, like, look, why, why are we being blocked from asking her basic questions? We have a right via the international investigation laws. Why are we being blocked? And it seems while this is happening, the story around the poisoning has begun to shift. There was no trial, no discussion, no evidence, no proof. There was only judgment and punishment. It is highly likely that Russia was responsible. We do hold Russia culpable. Culpable. Culpable for the attempted murder. The pundits needed even less. The name Novichok sounds Russian, means Russia did it. We've established that it is Novichok, and that is, by definition of, of the translation of the name, which means newcomer, uh, part of a program in the Soviet Union in the late 70s and 80s. The points made... There are a lot of questions to ask of this whole mess. But over the last few weeks, we've interviewed dozens of chemists, experts and military specialists. And here are their biggest gripes. The Novichok nerve agents are no secret. They haven't been so in decades. Here they are. Excerpts from the books and studies available to the public. Neither the formula nor the chemicals are any more Russian than air itself. For years now, researchers have published studies and theses on the Novichoks, which there are dozens and dozens of. You do have to wonder if part of this, uh, the, the momentum it gets, the massive international response it saw, the kicking out of Russian spies out of different countries... For a chemical. I mean, chemicals aren't inherently secret to any one particular country. And there is some question if maybe there was a misidentification. Uh, we'll see about that. Our other headline story in development in the past couple of hours. Russia's foreign minister has claimed that the international chemical weapons watchdog, the OPCW, may have misidentified the type of nerve agent used against the Skripals in England last month. More details on that now from correspondent Hanisha Sethi. So there is something for you. That you just let, so my point I'm trying to make here, because we can take all of this with a, uh, a grain of chlorine. It is uh, RT after all. But the point that I am attempting to make before we get into Syria is there has been dramatic and drastic action taken with international repercussions that affect world peace based on things that have not yet been proven, that there are still very large, reasonable shadows of a doubt. And it's interestingly both around Russia. So we move on to Syria. Last week, we talked about the big buildup, the war drums, as they say, were beginning to get banged. And uh, there was the warning, get ready, Russia, we're coming with smart missiles. Tonight, all signs point to what seems all but inevitable, a strike on Syria soon. Thank you all very much, everybody. On Twitter, the president previewing an attack and putting Russia on notice after a Russian official promised Moscow would shoot down any missiles aimed at Syria. President Trump writing, get ready, Russia, because they, the missiles, will be coming. Nice and new and smart. You shouldn't be partners with a gas-killing animal who kills his people and enjoys it. Defense Secretary James Mattis not ready to say for sure the Assad regime is behind this weekend's deadly chemical weapons attack outside Damascus. We're still assessing the, uh, the intelligence uh, ourselves and our allies. But to the White House and others around the world, it's clear the Syrian dictators to blame for yet another horrific poison gas attack targeting people in their homes, including children, rescuers working frantically to help them. The use of chemical weapons cannot go unchallenged. 
the UK and France now agreeing on the need to act. So that was where we left it last week. I figured this would move, uh, and it did. And we woke up uh, Saturday morning to the news. My fellow Americans. Actually, this is this is a Friday short night. time ago. I ordered the United States Armed Forces to launch precision strikes on targets associated with the chemical weapons capabilities of Syrian dictator Bashar al-Assad. A combined operation with the armed forces of France and the United Kingdom is now underway. We thank them both. Tonight, I want to speak with you about why we have taken this action. One year ago, Assad launched a savage chemical weapons attack against his own innocent people. The United States responded with 58 missile strikes that destroyed 20 percent of the Syrian air. You know, it's funny. That, that chemical attack hadn't really been proven either. Pretty hilarious. Pretty, pretty hilarious. So then the, here's the actual news. Good evening. As we come on the air live in the Pacific time zone, there is breaking news. President Trump announcing a short time ago that he has ordered U.S. airstrikes on targets in Syria. And those strikes carried out with allies Britain and France are now underway. This in response to a deadly chemical weapons attack against civilians in Syria one week ago. The latest atrocity in the horrific civil war in Syria, now in its eighth year. We're still learning details of this airstrike. NBC's White House correspondent Kristen Welker is at the White House tonight with the very latest. It's interesting what they choose to focus on there, right? They could focus on the authorization. They could focus on a lot of different aspects of the strike. But, of course, they must once again remind you that it was a chemical weapons attack that struck children. And Lindsey Graham was one of the number one hawks out there calling for this attack. Lindsey Graham was the cheerleader. And uh, the next morning after he'd been briefed, uh, he seemed um, he seemed like he was 20 years younger. He was so damn excited. Watch him kind of prance out. Senators reacted after a closed door, all senators briefing on Syria with Defense Secretary James Mattis and Joint Chiefs of Staff Chair General Joseph Dunford. So this is Graham. After he's met with Mattis, the press is out. This is off a C-SPAN. So you get to see him just prance out like a happy boy that just got a lollipop. Here's a look. Here's a look. Everything um, that I guess would assuage your concern. Okay, uh, number one, I really appreciate the professional nature of our military. They murder those who so perform good. these strikes did a, a very good job. The strategy is the total destruction of ISIS and combating the malign influence of Iran in Syria. I have a lot of misgivings about whether or not we can accomplish those goals. Uh oh. It seems to me that the president is going to pull out of Syria as soon as he can. Yeah, that's great. I hope so. And I believe ISIS can never be destroyed oh. unless there's a credible holding force. Oh, boy. And some Americans need to be part of that holding force. We're going to this already? We're already going to permanent force permanently established in Syria? This guy gets finally gets his strike. We haven't set up a no-fly zone. We don't have any troops on the ground that are officially U.S. troops. Of course, we got our, uh, our psychopath killers for hire on the ground. And this guy wants a holding force. A holding force. He wants permanent installation of U.S. military in Syria. Now, mind you, the, the civil war is wrapping up. It's almost done. Our guy's lost. 
And now he wants to send in a permanent U.S. force. Holding force. And some Americans need to be part of that holding force because we learn nothing from Iraq. If you leave without an adequate holding force, they come back. My biggest concern is... I like that that's the lesson from Iraq. Not that we shouldn't go in, not that we shouldn't lie about chemical weapons and, and make up excuses and out journalists and, and, and none, none of these things. No, no, those weren't the lessons to take away from Iraq. That's, no, the lesson is once we invade, we have to stay forever. That's Lindsey Graham's lesson from Iraq. Leave without an adequate holding force, they come back. My biggest concern is that the day we leave... The Syrian Democratic Forces, who are made up of Arabs and Kurds, are going to be exposed. I'm afraid that if we leave without some American presence, that Turkey will continue the fight against the Kurds, and you're going to wind up having people slaughtered uh, who stood up to help America. And that means it's harder for us in the future to get somebody to help us. Yeah, so are you reading between the lines there? The guys that we backed are going to get wasted. They're going to get wasted. The guys that we backed, the guys that we armed, the guys that we got to go in there, the guys that we paid are going to get slaughtered. His exact words, slaughtered. And he's worried that we won't be able to have another shadow army of a bunch of psychopath killers that are desperate for money to hire if we let this one get slaughtered. So in his sick mind, we should go in then and have a permanent U.S. force. In his sick mind. (laughs) There is no military strategy on the table to deal with the malign influence of Iran and Russia. So what I think is going to happen is diplomacy will fail. That Assad, for all practical purposes, has won the civil war. Yeah, that is true. And you might be starting to wonder right now, but, but Chris... But Chris, he's not saying why any of this matters to U.S. security. Why does any of this matter to somebody in Colorado or somebody in California or somebody in Florida or Washington? Why does does any of this matter to anybody that's a citizen of the United States? And that what's going to happen inside of Syria is going to be an armed camp of Hezbollah and Iranian uh, military uh, people that will present a threat to Israel unlike any time in the last 20 or 30 years. Oh, that's what it's about. Is that what it's been about all along, Lindsay? Well, present a threat to Israel unlike any time in the last 20 or 30 years. Oh, well, shit. Shit. If Oh, well, sh- well, then that just changes. Well, that changes nothing. So I support the goals of the destruction of ISIS. I don't think the strategy they have is going to lead to it. I support the goal of uh, countering malign influence of Iran. I don't think we have a strategy that can do it. And if we stay on the course that we're on now, Syria will fall into the hands of the Russians, the Iranians, and Assad, which would be a nightmare for, uh, for Israel and the region as a whole, and that our destruction of ISIS strategy is really not practical. He got one part right. It is going to be a nightmare for Syria. He's right about that. So that's why. That's why we're doing this. That's why even though Assad's almost won and he's kicked out everybody we've hired, even when Russia came in now and Russia's backing him hard and China's backing Russia and India's backing China and it's creating a whole stack of people that are allied against us. Oh, and let's mention Iran too while we're at it. Another person that's fun to piss off right now. It's all worth it though. It's all worth it. It's worth, it's worth U.S. assets. 
It's, it's worth violating our moral cores as a country. It's worth financing these psychopathic killers who are murderous monsters. It's worth all of it. It's worth shipping them Toyotas. It's worth shipping them radios. It's worth training them. It's worth letting them call in airstrikes and bombing other individuals on their behalf, which includes Russians. It's all worth it because we've got to make sure that Israel's safe. There's no, there's no line that's too far, apparently. We won't, it's not worth it for our own people, but it's worth it. I, I just, I really don't know. I, and it's, and we're, not, we're, we're out right now, but it's not necessarily over. I'm Kelly O'Donnell at the White House. On this day after the airstrikes, the Trump administration unleashed a round of fresh warnings. Chemical weapons are a threat to us all. From the United Nations Security Council. When our president draws a red line, our president enforces the red line. To a summit in Peru, where Mike Pence filled in for the president and justified the use of force as... The morally right act to take. The vice president thanked other leaders today for supporting action to deter Syria. So we got more action on the way. Should they, whoever they was, that released the chemical weapons, we haven't proved it yet. But we'll take more actions, even though we haven't proved that it was originally sod. Um, and you can't point that out. That doesn't make any sense. You're not allowed to point it out or else you'll get attacked. I'll give you an example. It doesn't happen really anywhere except for on Fox News and RT these days, remarkably, which I think probably should give you some pause. Before we move forward, just for a moment, if you consider yourself a liberal or progressive listening to this show, you really should be giving some thought about how the media is completely failing you right now. There's no questioning allowed of this. This is our moral obligation. And it's for chemical weapons. Of course it's for chemical weapons. That's what brought us into Iraq, too. The only people that are even kind of standing up, and they're just baby standing up, they're not even hitting it as hard as they should, are people on Fox or RT. What the hell does that tell us? What does that say about the state of discourse in the United States right now? That's how badly it's become. That's the state we're in right now. That's scary. And I'll give you an example of even what happens to one of these Fox News commentators. This is Colonel Douglas McGregor. He's retired now. And he came on to the Ingram show to say why he thinks that this doesn't make any sense and that Trump made a mistake, essentially. Perplexing. I mean, first of all, just a week after the president announces his intention to withdraw troops from Syria, suddenly the Syrian government that has effectively won the civil war, the civil war is practically over, decides to launch a chemical attack. Uh, seems very odd. Then we're, we see sarin and chlorine gas used together. Uh, that's never happened before. That's the first in the history of chemical warfare. It doesn't make any sense. Uh, then finally, uh, we said, well, we didn't really inform the Russians, but we know the German press has told us over the last 24 hours of uh, consistent back-channel reports between Washington and, and Moscow. So I'm quite, quite obvious that we made the Russians aware of what was going on. They got out of the way, and we picked targets that I think, in retrospect, will turn out perhaps not to be what we thought. So I think this is another cosmetic attack that makes the morally righteous in Washington feel good, but changes nothing on the ground. So that's a pretty, I think, sober assessment of the situation, especially for a Fox News commentator. Uh, but then a on the payroll, Fox News' national security strategist, Sebastian Gorka, comes on and blasts that retired general, who is our general. But this, this, this strategist, uh, he knows better. And he just unloads on the guy for daring to question 
the strategy in Syria. The idea that this is irrelevant to America is so a-strategic, it beggars belief. The president is not an interventionist. He's not going to deploy 160,000 troops like the Bush administration did. But we have to assert our moral clarity. Oh. You do not get to use illegal chemical weapons against women and children. And I was in the White House a year ago, and I saw the intelligence. And guess what, Colonel? It was the Assad regime that did it. And when a four-star retired Marine Corps legend, like the current Secretary of Defense, tells you that we've seen the intelligence and it was Assad, everybody should take that to the bank and shame on you for questioning General Mattis retired. Shame on you. Shame on you for questioning. Shame on you for questioning, for raising obvious questions, you former general. Shame on you. That to the bank and shame on you for questioning General Mattis retired. Well, uh, I've met General Mattis, and I'm, I'm happy to question it, because I don't think General Mattis meant what he said. You don't have the clearances, point. and you haven't seen it, Colonel. Well, you'd be surprised at the clearances that I have. Uh, <laughs> have you seen intelligence? Line, have you seen intelligence? Line, Sebastian, will you please calm down for a second? The no, it's outrageous. We've, been, outrageous. we've been down this road before. We launched cruise missiles Not with in this 1999 president. against Not Factory. with this president. But one at a time, Sebastian, you can respond in one second. We launched, this is good insight right here. We launched it against a factory we said was building missile parts in 1999 and connected to Al-Qaeda. It was a milk production facility. We've had so much misinformation. It is absolutely not clear what happened a year ago. I completely reject that. It is that to me. Point. You were outside well, it is the not building. Clear to me. Absolutely not. And I have spent my life in the military, and I have seen intelligence manipulated repeatedly over the last 25, 26. I'm years. glad you know better than this so president and his secretary of defense. I think that President Trump needs to listen to the 50 million Americans who voted for him. They it did not vote 60, for this, actually, and they didn't support this. Uh, I'm glad you speak to all Americans, Colonel. I'm glad you've made yourself the spokesman of 60 million Americans. That's very modest of you. <laughs> so that's what happens when you go on the air and you speak out about the war in Syria. And then you have the independent, quote unquote. I'm not so sure if that's the correct label to use for Alex Jones, but you probably saw Alex Jones completely losing his crap. Alex Jones went from a confidant of Donald Trump's to an outsider because of the bad publicity it brought Trump and he dropped him hot. And now, which I think hurt Alex's ego, but he stayed he stayed loyal. That's what you do if you want to win Donald back, you stay loyal. But um, I think he's not staying loyal after uh, bombs dropped in Syria. This is a remarkable moment. This is before Alex Jones goes on the air. One of his staff was um, streaming like on Periscope or something and uh, captured this moment. Live on Twitter? I'm live on Twitter right here. And All right, this it's Friday night. Live. We just did 34 hours live. We're getting ready to go live on the main feeds on InfoWars. It's freaking emergency. Trump is absolutely crapped all over us. He's been totally compromised, blackmailed. There's no damn doubt about it. And we got Zach, our intel source from Space Command, Geospatial Center joining us. Let's kill that Mattis feed. Okay. You know, Trump did this on Friday night and only hit like five targets instead of 70 uh, as some type of appeasement to the globalists and everything else. This is total horseshit. So, now watch, he's going to uh, start losing it here. Look, I'm going to straight shoot you. Trump did good on TPP and everything else. This is BS, man. I mean, the damn rebels are Al-Qaeda, ISIS. They launched the chemical attacks. They've been caught three times before. And I'm not going to sell out 
My morals for fucking Donald Trump, God damn it! See, I can't even go live. I'm so fucking pissed right now. Why don't you just kill that feed? Just go back to other live feed, dude. Okay. Um, uh, just, just kill, kill the fucking feed. Right. Just kill it. Just fucking kill it, and let's. Mommy needs a joint. Yeah, uh, there's a lot of different reactions, and uh, your good buddy Cucker Tuckerson is still continuing to say, well, who's really behind this? This still doesn't make any sense. He's still pushing it. Well, on Friday, as you know, we launched a bunch of missiles uh, in Syria. We still have a number of troops on the ground there. The question is why? What is this about? Well, the story is that the Assad government used chemical weapons against its civilians, and it's possible that that happened, but it does seem odd Assad's forces were on the brink of victory, and a chemical weapons attack only hurt his position internationally, so why would he do that? Senator Rand Paul recently made the same observation. Watch. I think this is a real question, and I think that Assad is either the dumbest dictator on the planet Earth, or he didn't do it. Because you think about it, they've been winning the war for over a year. The only thing that galvanizes world opposition to the Assad regime, the only thing that gets us involved at all is the use of chemical weapons. So what do we really know about this? What questions should we be asking? What questions should we be allowed to ask without being attacked as foreign agents? Peter Ford is the former British ambassador to Syria. So this guy comes on the show. I know you know you know me. I never really play these interviews because they always tend to just go off into the weeds. But this guy has a different perspective. He's a former British ambassador to Syria. So let's just hear him out for just a moment, and when we start to get bored, I'll kill it. He works for a group that has been described as pro-Assad, though he can describe it himself, and he joins us now. Mr. Ambassador, thank you for coming on. Um, so tell us... Thanks what, for having me. Since you do know a lot about Syria, and you're a fluent Arabic speaker, and you follow this carefully, what do we know, what does your government know, what does our government know about the genesis of this chemical attack? It's not uh, certain by any means that it was a chemical attack. Uh, There are reports from Western journalists who were in Douma yesterday, reports that they could find uh, no folks who would confirm that there'd been a chemical attack. They went actually to the hospital where where those videos were filmed. They spoke to doctors, uh, named doctors, so this can be checked, who said that there was no chemical attack What there was, was an ordinary bomb attack that had people streaming into the hospital with smoke inhalation problems. And what happened then was that the white helmets, that's the jihadi uh, medical auxiliaries, uh, started shouting uh, gas, caused panic. Uh, Then everybody went into uh, gas mode. They started with the hoses and the inhalers. Uh, Meanwhile, it was all being carefully videoed and put out by uh, rich Arab country propagandists. And there's a distinct possibility that we have been deluded. Yeah, the very sources that the information about the chemical attack came from are the sources that have been arming the rebels against Assad. That's a little suspicious. So we just need to wait. I'm not saying that there wasn't a chemical weapons attack, although that seems like the most likely. Uh, 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 some bomb goes off by the rebels or or, or by the Assad regime, and um, the white helmets uh, go into action. You know, they were waiting for an opportunity. They got the cell phone cameras out. They start going into all the. How would you know the difference between them going through all the processes of washing people, and there actually being a chemical weapons attack when you're watching through cell phone video that's coming out over Twitter? 
How do you know the difference? You don't know the difference between them going through the procedures or it actually happening. It's all, all very confusing. That's why we need there to be an investigation. And of course, the U.S. is blocking Moscow's two proposals and Moscow is blocking the U.S.'s two proposals. Of course, it comes down to that every damn time. In the meantime, Cucker is getting accused for being a Russian agent for talking about this stuff. So instead tonight, we're joined by Noah Rothman. He's an associate editor at Commentary Magazine. He called us Russian propagandists and ostensibly patriotic, too. But at least he was brave enough to come and explain himself. Noah Rothman joins us tonight. Noah, thanks for coming on. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. So we have um, legitimate kind of news on this story. This comes from Reuters. Uh, the defense secretary was just asked specifically the question essentially we asked on Monday, the one that you called as traitors for asking, which is, do we know that Assad was behind the gas attack? And this is what the secretary of defense just said, quote, we're still assessing the intelligence ourselves and our allies. We're still working on this. So as with the gas attack last year, last April, the secretary of defense who would know has not confirmed that we know the Assad government did it. So why am I unpatriotic for asking the same question? Well, let me say at the outset, I have not called you a traitor. I did not call you unpatriotic. I would yes, not you question. Did. I have no, it sorry, right I here. You, you <laughs> called me, and I'm quoting, an ostensibly um, patriotic American opinion maker who is advancing the geopolitical narratives in defense of a blood-soaked regime that threatens American interests. Oh, I'm not attacking you. You are attacking me for asking the most basic of all questions. Look at that guy's stupid fake face. And this Tucker's got him. Turns out that the Secretary of Defense well, I believe your question deserves to be answered, but uh, <laughs> whether you know it or not, you are advancing pro-Assad narratives, and you should check out Iran TV, Press TV, and the Kremlin-funded network RT to see the favorable coverage you are receiving. Uh, I don't believe you're but doing that intentionally. that's irrelevant. No, no, but hold on. That's irrelevant to the question. I don't so let's seek answer the that. question. I don't seek that coverage. The Secretary of Defense has been asked... Anyways, so he gets called a Russian. Uh, for covering that stuff. I guess that would be us, too. I guess we get labeled that way, too, if we were large enough. Isn't, boy, isn't that the dream? Get successful so that way you can get called a Russian. And across the pond, people are casting a little more doubt. It's a little more common to doubt this entire action. Yes, uh, President Assad is uh, in the process of winning this civil war. This is Admiral, uh, this is former First Sea Lord, <laughs> Admiral Lord West. Um, and he was about to take over and occupy Duma, all that area. He'd had a, a long, long, hard slog, slowly capturing that whole area of the city. And there, just before he goes in and takes it all over, apparently he decides to have a chemical attack. It just doesn't ring true. It seems extraordinary because clearly he would know that there's likely to be a response from the from the allies. Um, what what benefit is there for his military? Um, most of the uh, rebel fighters, um, this disparate group of Islamists uh, 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 had withdrawn. There were a few women and children left around. What, what benefit was there militarily in doing what he did? I find that extraordinary. Whereas we know that in the past some of the Islamic groups have used chemicals and of course there would be huge benefit in them um, labelling an attack as coming from Assad because they would guess quite rightly that there'd be a response from the US as there was last time and possibly from the UK and France. Is it and fair to say though that you're looking at this from the point of from the point of view of strategy and tactics rather than any evidence? Uh, absolutely although we do know that the reports that came from there were from the white helmets who let's face it are not uh, are not neutrals, you know, they're very much on the side of the disparate groups who are fighting Assad. I know, does this hurt your brain? Because he doesn't have a Russian accent and he's saying something that uh, is apparently a Putin talking point uh, because he's a retired admiral. I don't, he probably doesn't know what the hell he's talking about, right? Neither does that general. 
or the colonel that we heard from earlier. What, the, what do these guys know? And also the World Health Organization, doctors who are there. And again, those doctors are embedded uh, in amongst the groups doing fantastic work, I know. But they're not, they're not neutral. And, and I am just a little bit concerned because as we now move to the next phase in this war, if I were advising um, some of the Islamist groups, many of whom are worse than Daesh, I would say, look, we've got to wait until there's another attack by Assad's forces, uh, have, particularly if they have a helicopter overhead or something like that and they're dropping barrel bombs, and we must set off some chlorine because we'll get the next attack from the Allies. And there's no doubt that if we believe he's done a chemical attack, we should do that. Um, and those attacks will get bigger. And it is the only way they have got, actually, of stopping the inevitable victory of Assad. Exactly. And uh, much better for some uh, gentleman with a British accent to say it than me. Uh, of course, there's another one out there. Uh, Mr. Corbett says that, uh, look, uh, I, I just was listening to the Unfiltered program, and this uh, this host on there, his name's Chris, he made a really good point in episode 276. And so he then goes, goes ahead and repeats it uh, in a bit of a public setting. The overwhelming humanitarian catastrophe due to the civil war in Syria is absolutely indisputable. But the Foreign Secretary said yesterday these strikes would have no bearing on the civil war. And the Prime Minister has reiterated that today by saying this is not what these military strikes were about. And Mr Speaker, does, for example, the humanitarian crisis in Yemen entitle other countries to arrogate to themselves the right to bomb Saudi airfields or their positions in Yemen, especially given their use of banned cluster bombs and white phosphorus. Mr Speaker, three United Nations agencies said in January that Yemen was the worst humanitarian crisis in the world. So will the Prime Minister today commit to ending support to the Saudi bombing campaign oh. and arms sales to Saudi Arabia? <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. If, if what they're doing, what Assad, if he did it, is doing is so bad, then we have, to, we have to pull out of our support with Yemen. We have to. And you've heard a lot about how France was in with us, the UK was all in with us, but what you haven't heard a lot about are the countries that didn't and actually have taken the exact opposite stance. Some of America's key partners are not so keen to launch a strike on Syria, with Germany, Italy, the Netherlands and Canada all stating there needs to be a thorough investigation first. Peter Oliver has the details. So there you go. So you got That's a pretty good list there. I don't know if you uh, he ratted them off pretty fast. What do those Canadians know, right? <laughs> Canadians. <laughs> right now, ladies and gentlemen, none of that matters. Because we have a much bigger war on our hands. It's the information war that now Russia has launched. A 2,000% increase, the Pentagon says, in Russian bots spreading misinformation about Syria. I might be one of them. The hottest front line in the conflict between the U.S. and Russia may not be in Syria. It's a war of words over what's fact. Real news, not fake news. And what's fiction. Roll Alpha Music 4, camera 1. The American combatants. Roll 12. Battling in a tiny part of the U.S. government that tries to call out Russian misinformation. The Russians are engaging in information warfare. They're telling lies, and we're confronting them toe-to-toe with fact-based, truthful, professional journalism. So this is it, polygraph.info. Former Dallas TV reporter Jim Fry runs a U.S. government-funded website devoted to fact-checking Russia, polygraph.info. Build as disinformation news. 
What our reporters do every day uh, is they they begin the day uh, looking at uh, Russian media. When Vladimir Putin unveiled a new and supposedly invincible missile, an animation seemed to show the missile striking Florida. The Kremlin denied that, but... We fact-checked that and we showed a map of Florida mm. and what they were showing. It was pretty obvious. Whoa, they fact-checked that and they got a map. Any viewer. Polygraph challenged Russia's denial that the nerve agent used to poison a former spy in the UK was made only in Russia. It also challenged Russia's assertion that no chemical attack took place this month in Syria. Polygraph is a year-old joint venture of the Voice of America and Radio Liberty, originally Cold War-era news organizations funded by, but independent of, the federal government. All right, broadcasting live direct from our studios. You know, just like RT. To Moscow. Hoping to counter the Russian government's English-language news channel, RT, the U.S. agency that runs those operations also launched Current Time, a 24-hour Russian-language network. So we now have our own RT. So this entire premise is the information war by Russia, but it's really about how we have our own RT now. Seen in 30 countries. The channel is overseen by Irina Van Dusen, who got her journalism degree in Moscow and grew up surrounded by Soviet disinformation. There are facts, there is truth, and we have to deliver that. Despite these efforts, the U.S. remains badly outgunned in the information war, with its most powerful weapon, President Trump, only now starting to use tougher words about Russia. <laughs> so uh, maybe we're part of that. We're, we're a long play by Russia. That's what it is. We're a long play by Russia to trick all yells. <laughs> and you have succumbed and become our patrons. <laughs> you fools. We are controlled opposition. <laughs> Wait, what? Huh? New note. Oh, we've been bought out by the government of Israel. Anyways, we all need to get into Syria. It's our moral obligation, guys. Uh, ding that, would you? Come on, let's give that a ding. It's our moral obligation. Come on, hoorah! Let's go in there, everybody! Yeah! Uh, no, that's it. You know what? I gotta draw a headline. I, so, I just, I wanted to give you guys an update on the Syria situation because it's obviously huge and you're our patrons and I wanted you to know about this. I do have an overtime coming up if you want to get some of the other news clips, including the book that I ended up picking up this week that I didn't plan to. All of that. He's coming up in just a mere moments, but that's our meat and potatoes for you this week. Thank you guys so much for being our supporters over at patreon.com slash unfilter. Please go to the new site, unfilter.show, and update your RSS feeds directly, unfilter.show slash subscribe for that. Thank you very much for being here. I also would love to hear from you, unfilter.show slash contact. Consider sending in your feedback about the show. And if you want to get in Chase's sack, you know what to do.
Are you not entertained? Was that not enough for you? No, that's not enough for me. We got more show. It's time for our Mommy needs a joy. Thank you to our new patrons over at patreon.com slash unfilter who signed up to support this here program. Crystal, Christopher, Michael, Crazy Pyro, hmm, admission me thinks, Jamie, and PCX Mac. You are our new patrons this week. Thank you. You inspired me to get up and make this show be here even when we had a week off. Thank you so much. Patreon.com slash unfilter. The overtime is dedicated to yourselves and all yous that support us over at Patreon.com slash unfilters. Thank you very much for doing that. Now we have more to get into this week, so the overtime seems like a great place to do it. You know, the, the, the choice of picking what stories to cover, it's just too much. But we did have a bunch of stuff that we have a batch of clips on. So this is what I wanted to at least be able to get to you this week. And the one that's the most in my radar, my field of view, if you will, is James Comey. I got his book. I wasn't going to do it. I wasn't. I'm just sick of these books. You guys know I, I often will come on the show and do like a book report. I'll, you know, I'll, I'll read the whole damn book so you don't have to. I wasn't going to do it. A line too far. I had to, like, after that Donner Brazil book, I really, you know... While you're laughing, the hackers are dropping malware into your system. Yeah, I after that book, I had to just, like, go through a de-cleanse because then after that, there was another book that I had to ram. It's just like it was too much. I said, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. It's, it's just going to be a bunch of, uh, you know, uh, high school drama. Uh, but I ended up getting it. So I don't, you know, I don't, I'm not expecting much. I've listened to a little bit of it. I actually got the audiobook, uh, which turns out is actually read by Comey. I mean, Comey. Do you think President Trump has been compromised by the Russians? This is uh, James here uh, at, at a USA Today interview. The much longer version is in the supporter sync. It's about 25 minutes. This is a one minute cut, though. Do you think President Trump has been compromised by the Russians? I don't know. And these are words I never thought would come out of my mouth about an American president, but it's possible. I'm not saying it's likely. I, I don't know, and the honest answer is it's possible. It's hard to explain some things without at least leaving your mind open to that being a possibility. What is the possibility that you see? What's the greatest possibility that he was? Well, obviously, the most likely is that he's not. But the reason I say possible is that there's a non-zero possibility that the Russians have some, some sway over him that is rooted in his personal experience. And I don't know whether that's the business about the activity in a Moscow hotel room or finances or something else. But again, I, I don't want to overstate it. I'm not saying it's likely. I'm saying, to be honest with you, I have to say it's possible. This is how a lot of, a lot of his interviews went. Um, and he seems to be the most buddy-buddy with good old George Stephanopoulos over at ABC. Here James Comey. His new book, A Higher Loyalty, is out today. This is his first live interview uh, since the book's been released, and thank you for coming back right now. I guess you knew this was coming. 
a lot of reaction from all sides, including a, a, a tweet, tweet storm from President Trump. I want to focus in on two of the president's tweets because they're, they're the most serious. Uh, the, the president says uh, not only should you have been fired, but that you leaked classified information, lied to Congress under Uh-oh. oath for both of those. And, you know, we've had lots of implications of that. Um, and, and there does seem to be some truth to it. Comey might not have leaked directly. But uh, he leaked via a good friend of his, which turned out to be a lawyer of his, which turned out to be a lawyer that he knows for a long time who had apparently leaked other stuff for him. So while Comey didn't leak it himself, his buddy lawyer did. Infractions, he says, you should go to jail. Yeah, that is not normal. That is not okay. First of all, he's just making stuff up. But most importantly, the president of the United States is calling for the imprisonment of a private citizen, as he's done for a whole lot of people who criticize him, that is not acceptable in this country. Golly, golly, yeah. So here we have James Comey positioning himself as uh, as dad, reminding us how we're supposed to be behaving. I hope people read the book and see why the rule of law is such an important value in this country. And key to that is that the president doesn't get to decide who goes to jail. You think we've gotten too used to these tweets, dulled to, the, to what's actually in yeah, them? Yeah, I think that's a danger, that we're numb to it. We wake up in the morning and see the president of the United States is accusing people of crimes without evidence and pronouncing them guilty and saying they should be in jail. That should wake all of us up with a start, but there's been so much of it that we're a little bit numb, and that's dangerous. It's dangerous, guys. It's dangerous. He's warning us. It's dangerous. That's part of why he wants you to read this book. It's, it's dangerous. Uh, I want to give you a sense of the interview. I'm not going to make you watch all of it. I'll give you some highlights. What are we? I'm the director of the FBI. I'm trying to be outside of politics. I was surprised. Were you nervous? Yes. A whole lot of me was thinking, oh my God. He had impressively coiffed hair. I confess I stared at it pretty closely. <laughs> Slightly orange up close. I had a flashback. Very strange. Really weird. People peeing on each other. I don't know the answer to that. I don't know the answer. I honestly never thought these words would come out of my mouth. It's possible but I don't know. Hit that. Yeah, I I don't think so. I don't know. Maybe. I think it's possible. I don't know. I don't think so, but I worried about it constantly. You get an idea of what uh, it's like when uh, Call Me goes around and starts talking to people. Of course, there is a, a bit in his book, not a lot, it's not a lot, but a bit about uh, his appearance. Apparently he has regrets around that. Hey, so we're back with James Comey. Yeah, he's even gone to The View. Yeah, he's all in. Okay. Director Comey, one thing I wanted to know, when I read the book, um, you you reference Trump's possible self-tanning, the size of his hands, his hair. Um, I understand why you did that, because you've said over and over you were setting the stage, you were taking the reader in the room with you. But as someone that's holding you to a certain standard in this book to show the credibility you, you tout, this is a higher calling, you know, a leadership, was it worth it when we've seen that all already at the expense of possibly some credibility? Because it sounds, it, optically, it's a Trump game to talk optically. about these things. Optically. Yep, he does. I think you're right. If I had it uh, to do... Optically and the optics, uh, I'll even use it, I think, optics every now and then, but I almost kind of do it ironically. It's, it's, it's trying to sound smart. Optically. Optically. Instead of saying this looks bad, instead of saying something just simple, like, boy, that really comes across bad. Optically, this is not good. Optically? Optically. So weird. Trump game to talk about those things. We some credibility. Because yep. it sounds, it, optically, it's a Trump game to talk about those things. Optically, it's a Trump game. Optically. Mm. That's what I, he does. I think you're right. If I had it uh, to do over again, I wouldn't put that paragraph in, even though 
just because it gave people a, a handhold who hadn't read the book to attack the book. And I, I just want people to read the book so it, it can be useful to them. Yeah. But that would have made it inconsistent with everything else. One of my heroes was my first boss when I worked in a grocery store. I describe him in great detail, his shoes, <laughs> yes. his pants, yeah. his belt. His... And so I wasn't trying to pick on him. I really wasn't trying to pick on Donald Trump. I could hear my editor's voice saying, bring the reader, bring the reader. Oh, yeah. mm -hmm. And so that's what I'm trying to do. And I wasn't making fun of his hands. In fact, I say in the book, his hands seem normal sized to me. I'm not, <laughs> I really was not. But now that I see- You don't think now that, throwing shade at his hand size though? Yeah, I, that was not my intention. But I do see people have seized onto that <laughs> as- so there's some of that. And, you know, people, oh, it's a lot of bitchiness in there. But uh, some have uh, actually taken action based on, on Comey's book, although not who I think he's expected would. Judicial Watch is suing the Justice Department, demanding records of all the communications between the FBI and former director James Comey related to his new book, which he's out on the circuit pushing as we speak. The lawsuit raises questions about whether Comey is receiving special treatment from oh. the FBI, uh, the effect of which is to give him uh, use of illegally uh, obtained material for his book. And joining us to sort hmm. hmm. Is he getting special treatment? Is the beloved former FBI agent getting special treatment from those that are still in there? And of course, John Podesta says, oh, look, he's just an idiot. I, don't, I think he's throwing shade on everybody but accepting very little responsibility himself i can't believe this guy has any credibility left at all he had this message for hillary clinton listen to this i even hope hillary clinton at least reads those parts of the book because i think she will walk away saying you know what i still think that guy's an idiot but you know he's kind of an honest idiot and he's trying to do the right thing here have you spoken to Hillary Clinton, gotten her reaction to this book? Not, not, not since the book, not since his interviews. In, so how do you think, but you know, <laughs> no, she doesn't talk to him anymore because I screwed everything up. <laughs> mm, all right. So let's talk about Korea. Well, specifically, let's talk about the north side of Korea. What's this news about the CIA director going down there to meet with Kim? When I heard that, I, I didn't know what to make of this story. Let me play a clip for you. Stunning news tonight. Word that CIA director Mike Pompeo secretly met with North Korean leader Kim Jong-un just a few weeks ago. Now, um, <clears throat> a few weeks ago, he was still clearly the CIA director. Um, mm, mm, uh, mm. What? What? Why, why, when it comes time for serious peace talks, does the CIA director go? I, I'm almost beginning to wonder who runs this place. Yeah, yeah, oh, no, no, God. No, 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 oh, no. No, 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 no. no. Hey. Director Mike Pompeo secretly met with North Korean leader Kim Jong-un just a few weeks ago. Also tonight, in the middle of confusion over whether and when new sanctions would be imposed on Russia for its role in the suspected chemical attack on Syria, the U.S. ambassador to the United Nations is pushing back in a big way against the White House. Yeah, a little uh, scuttlebutt there is that uh, Trump got pissed that we ejected like 60 Russian quote-unquote spies and all the other countries ejected like four, you know, five. And uh, he was not pleased. He was misinformed at, at that. And so I guess that's the rumor as to why he's rolling back the next round of sanctions. But uh, the CIA director goes. The CIA director goes. That seems really, really odd. Of course, Trump's all on board with it. North Korea is coming along. South Korea is meeting and has plans to meet with North Korea to see if they can end the war. And they have my blessing on that. Oh, 
and they Oh, it's blessing. Oh, well, okay then. With North Korea to see if they can end the war, and they have my blessing on that. And they've been very generous that without us and without me in particular, I guess, you would have to say that they wouldn't be discussing <laughs> anything, including the Olympics would have been a failure and said it was a great success. You have to say that's because of Donald Trump. You have to say that. Uh, they would have had a real problem. Obviously, obviously, you have to say. But as you know, North Korea participated in the Olympics and it made it. Uh, really, it was a, quite an Olympics. It was quite a success. That would not have happened. And they do have my blessing to discuss the end of the war. People don't realize the Korean War has not ended. It's going on right now. And uh, they are discussing an end to the war. So he's, he's, he's saying all that while he's sitting next to Abe. Something tells me that might be why Abe was there, too. Or at least it was on their agenda from uh, Japan. Let's keep talking about Trump, though. Uh, did you hear the news that Trump pardoned Scooter Libby? You remember Scooter Libby, right? That name probably rings a bell. Take on this breaking news right now. The White House just announcing, uh, just announcing that it is official. They do, in fact, plan uh, to pardon Scooter Libby. Kelly O'Donnell uh, standing by for us there on the lawn of the White House. Kelly O, for folks who haven't been following this necessarily as closely uh, as all of us, who, are Scooter, who was Scooter Libby? Why is this significant? Scooter Libby was the chief of staff to Vice President Dick Cheney in the Bush administration, and he was convicted of a handful of counts related to not telling the truth to investigators and the grand jury related to the leak of the name of an FBI officer, Valerie Plame, who has been uh, now well known over the last several years. Today, the president has issued a full pardon. He says that I don't know Mr. Libby, but for years, I have heard that he has been treated unfairly. Hopefully, this full pardon will help rectify a very sad portion of his life. At issue, one of the witnesses in the case, Judith Miller, who had previously worked for The New York Times, had given testimony about learning the name of Valerie Plame Wilson. She was married to the ambassador at the time who had been critical of the Iraq war. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that conversation between... Which is why he outed her. If you remember the context, it was a shut up. A source, Scooter Libby and the reporter, that that she recanted that saying that she had given inaccurate information. Yeah. And Scooter Libby, of course, was the fall guy for Dick Cheney. And um, that's really the long tail of this whole story is this was about Dick Cheney. And uh, why is Donald Trump getting involved? Well, I'll leave that as an exercise to you. I have a suspicion. It's a message. It's a message. It's a shut up. Stick with me. You loyal to me? I'll take care of you. Even if this Russia stuff goes south, I'll take care of you. It might take time, but we'll take care of you. I think that's sort of the message there. I'm not sure. I mean, that's just me guessing. How could I know? But why all, why all of a sudden out of the blue is Scooter Libby getting pardoned in the middle of all this? Here's what's brand new at this hour. A federal judge tonight ruling on what was happening all day, what you see on your screen there, a request in court by President Trump to stop the feds from reviewing evidence gathered on his longtime lawyer, Michael Cohen. So that's a loss for Trump. The judge leaving open, however, a possibility that maybe they would have a third party review some of this evidence on Cohen. It obviously relates to attorney-client secrets between him and the president. Another revelation as well today, Cohen forced to disclose that one of his only other clients is actually one of Donald Trump's most high-profile defenders in public and the press, Fox News host Sean Hannity. Hannity, for his part, responding immediately, and he says he never paid Cohen, but 
he had, quote, brief discussions with him on matters of the law. Now, some of the documents. So Cohen um, is a started in the business as a personal injury lawyer, which, um, you know, are the people ambulance chasers. He was an ambulance chaser and um, he became Donald Trump's fixer. He fixed things for Donald Trump. Donald Trump. He's not a he's not a traditional lawyer. He's not a great lawman like uh, Sean Hannity made him out to be in his episode where he says, "Ah, oh, we were just chatting about real estate." No. No, that's no, that's not how that's that's not how this works. He's a fixer. He's a fixer and he's he's known for sending people letters that say, "If you don't do what we ask, what I'm going to do to you is so fucking disgusting, you won't believe it." It's a direct quote. And this is a guy's a fixer. This is what he does. And he happens to know the law, but he was in a personal he was a personal injury attorney before he became Donald Trump's fixer. Uh, he does have some background in um, real estate. That's how uh, he and Trump came across paths. But uh, let's be honest, the guy's a fixer. And now the question is, is what did Sean Hannity need fixed? That I don't know. But uh, we know what kind of problems that he's fixed for Donald Trump, and they generally tend to be the ones that involve porn stars or uh, at least uh, Playboy models. Now, uh, we do have a little cyber for you in the overtime. We don't typically do cyber, but you know what? This is an important emergency alert to the entire world. Rush is coming to get you in your home. Now to that new urgent warning about Russian hackers. The U.S. and U.K. are issuing a rare joint statement about a massive attack which is targeting millions of homes and businesses worldwide through the Internet and our routers. ABC's chief justice correspondent Pierre Thomas joins us from Washington. Pierre, how worrisome is this? Indeed, Paula, good morning. Today, U.S. law enforcement and homeland security officials are warning that Americans again are the victims of Russian government hackers who are secretly exploiting something very close to home. So Russian government hackers are going after your house now via your router. New this morning, the government issuing an urgent alert warning that state-sponsored Russian hackers have secretly launched a campaign to infiltrate Internet routers to commit espionage, steal business and design secrets, and to potentially launch future attacks. The target millions of American companies, small businesses, even your homes. Those routers controlling the flow of Internet traffic, now apparently one of the primary gateways for the Russian government to snoop on Americans and potentially shut down services. <laughs> this is such... Oh, my God. These devices actually make ideal targets. This is a global threat. The simple way to think about it is that once you own the router, you own the traffic. You know, one positive outcome is maybe people will start patching their routers. You know, because really, what they're talking about here is kind of true. You know, these routers don't get updated, and they can be taken over. A lot of them have backdoors and baked-in flaws. We've covered them for years on TechSnap. They are just vulnerable pieces of crap. And then to make matters worse, most average consumers have no idea there's even a firmware update in the first place. There's only a couple on the market that do self-updates. And they're the new ones. So this is a legitimate problem. Uh, but it's I would argue that automated scripts and bots on the Internet are a bigger threat of, uh, than Russian uh, government-sponsored hackers going after your Linksys. think about it is that once you own the router, you own the traffic that's traversing the router. The new warning coming on the heels of a recent intelligence report that Russian government hacking has targeted 
a wide range of U.S. critical infrastructure, including the electric grid, nuclear power plants, water treatment, aviation. Security analysts sounding the alarm that we may be on the cusp of cyber warfare. Oh, boy. Imagine, if you would, that during the Cold War, we found out that Soviet military intelligence operatives had placed secret explosives that could take down the electric grid all around the United States. The Russians, in some cases, have gained access to Internet router passwords and credentials. Once they're in, they can see your Internet traffic, like your emails, and even change content and commandeer your computers, Paula. You know, they're so um, uh, out of touch, the media, with these kinds of stories. Like, they don't. They don't appreciate the fact that the real flaw here is that a vast, vast majority of consumers are buying these devices at, at their local electronic shop or online. They have no experience setting these things up. Why would they? They plug them in and they just use the default logins. And of course, those default logins are documented in user manuals and all over the forums online when people are troubleshooting. So you, you just simply need to scan the web find these devices, see if any of them have uh, ports for administration on the WAN side, and try to log in. Now, there's things the media could do here if they're not trying to scare you, right? They've left you with no tools. There's no tools they've left you with. They could say, check to see if your router has a firmware update. I mean, that's vague, but that's literally an action you could take, and then you could go to Google and figure it out from there. They, They could say, make sure that you don't have remote administration turned on, on your router, and that you're not accepting remote administration from the internet side of your router. They could say, uh, they could say, make sure you don't have this, this popular model. Our research shows that 40% of consumers that have Wi-Fi that set it up in the last five years bought this brand of Linksys is no longer being updated. So update your router, buy a new one. I mean, there's, there are tools that they could leave the audience with, but it's just nothing but Minutes of fear, 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 fear. Russian hackers, Russian hackers, fear, 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 fear. No suggestions, no tools, no edification on what you could do. Uh, And really no context either. No context that this is not a new problem. This is not something that has just been recently uncovered by sophisticated 4D chess-playing Russian hackers. This is something that has been inherently a problem with consumer devices that are connected to the Internet since we started connecting these devices to the Internet. I mean, like, no, none of that. No context, no tools, fear, 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 fear. It's very intentional. And George W. Bush has fears. The media has spent so much time this this week talking about Barbara Bush as she's passed away, and they interviewed George W. Bush. And Bush, one thing you got to give him, he may not be the best speaker, he may not be the smartest president, he may not even be the best painter, but George W. Bush knows how to take advantage of any kind of travesty, be it his mother's death or 9-11. And why not? Why not combine the two things together in a George Bush whammy? Here we go, ladies and gentlemen. George Bush manages to use the death of his mom as a chance to teach us about the lessons of 9-11. I shit you not. Really very well. And, and, and before we go, Mr. President, as we see what's happening in the world today from North Korea to Syria, we still have these radicals trying to undo who we are. You might ask yourself, hey, self, why is this on Fox Business? Uh, why is the Fox business host interviewing the former president about his mom dying on Fox business? Yeah. What do you suppose that's about? It's about 
maybe who's going to be the most friendly, who's going to ask the softest questions, who's going to play ball with the bushes. And of course, why wouldn't Fox Business? They don't have any integrity. They're fucking Fox Business. So they get the interview where Bush gets to remind us about 9-11. From North Korea to Syria, we still have these radicals trying to undo who we are. Your thoughts on, on what to do and how to respond to what's well, happening? Well, look, here's the thing. If you go down to our exhibit uh, in the museum, there's a very powerful 9-11 I've exhibit. seen it. There are two of them here in Ground Zero. Uh, People are forgetting the lessons of 9-11. And one of the major lessons of 9-11 is the human condition elsewhere matters to our national security. That sounds like a progressive position. It's in our nation's interest uh, for women to be uh, successful in the Middle East, for example, or for civil society to take hold. Because it's with civil society and people having a say in the future of their governments that the foundation for peace is laid. Now, couldn't you also make that same argument about gay marriage? Uh, I mean, I think you could make that same argument about abortion. Uh, if if your argument is that these these Western norms must be observed for all of us to get along, i.e. we have to westernize the entire world for us all to get along, that's his argument, then what happens if another part of the world gets really more Western and we're less Western all of a sudden? What happens if America just sort of reverts for a while while the rest of the world continues to get more and more progressive? Then should we be invaded? I'm not, I don't really kind of understand where that logic falls down, but apparently, I mean, where that logic holds up because it falls down to me, but apparently that's the lesson, guys. That's the lesson. I think Alex Jones learned a lesson this week. He learned a lesson. I think we've all learned a lesson uh, watching Donald Trump bomb Syria. We've all learned a lesson, really. But Donald Trump learned a lesson that maybe he has thoughts that he shouldn't share. I mean, Donald Trump, yeah, that's true, too. But Alex Jones learned a lesson that he has thoughts that maybe shouldn't go on air. And uh, he apparently has dong on the mind. I, I don't know. He's having some kind of nervous breakdown after Trump bombed Syria. What do you think Roger Stone did? He wanted a beard for Trump. For Trump sucking cock, he was a guy that would go out with Trump in between marriages and would, you know, go out with the girl Trump was dating. I heard that. I read it in a newspaper right here from Roger Stone. There's no video of President Trump sucking a ding dong. And so what if there was? That's a lot better than World War III, Owen. I never sucked any ding dongs. So there you go. Alex Jones just making it clear for you. Thanks for joining us. I don't know if we're going to see you next week. We might do the teardown next week, but check the feeds. Thanks for being a supporter. We love you. Patreon.com slash Unbelievable!